Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey No Chill Prano. Hello, and man, you take one episode off and you lose it. You just can't even get there. You when's the last time you stumbled on that thing? It's been a minute. I used to. I used to struggle. How was your vacation? You're just. You're just not mentally prepared. To come back in and get right back into host mode, dude. It was great. That's probably why I I uh, I love that part of the country. I was telling you before the show. I think South Carolina is great. We used to always vacation in my family. Hilton Head is like an Ohio mecca where they all pilgrimage. Which they've lured all the Ohioans there. Which to be honest, I don't like that part of it. You don't like that the other Ohioans are there. They well, they stock the shelves with chili. Well, I just don't like that. You know, like my brother was wearing, you know, we have a lot of Ohio, like, like this is a five, one, three shirt. It's a Cincinnati shirt. I, I have a yeah. fair amount of red shirts or whatever. And like one night, my brother, somebody, some Ohio state fans came up to my brother and my brother can't stand Ohio state. He's just like, no dude, I'm from Ohio. I don't, I don't like that part, whatever, but all things considered Hilton Head is awesome. I had never been and it's beautiful and on the balcony every night facing the water. There's a pool at the condo we stayed at. And uh yeah, man. It's uh I've never been I've never been to Hilton Head, but I've spent a little bit of time down there for in in the Carolinas and South Carolina for shows of one vacation. And um I just love like I like the the nature of of the South. Oh yeah. Um, I like the swampiness. I like the trees. I like, you know, I like the weather. Yeah, me too. And and, and what's great is uh, I like the, you know, you know, like even, even like these islands, like where we used to go on an island called Fripp Island growing up and now here at Hilton Head, the nature is people don't realize it's developed, but you still have alligators. You still have all the forest and the different types of trees and the bug sounds at night and the sea turtles that come you, you can only have a red flashlight on the beach at night because the sea turtles lay their eggs like there, there's a whole other element there were dolphins in front of us no lie every single day and i'm not talking like a couple i kept saying are they having an orgy every day is, is, is there an orgy at five o'clock around happy hour every single day because dolphins it's, it's probably uh it's probably commuting season for those for the dolphins, right? They're probably going north to well, to colder waters. But we technically weren't facing the Atlantic. We were in a sound. Got it. So if you went half a mile in one direction, that's the Atlantic. Got it. Um, and they would just go in this sound and around five o'clock every day. Happy hour, dude. Out of control. <coughs> bless you and they and they get close like these these dolphins they're jumping they're spinning so many of them they came up and they're like you guys from ohio you you buckeyes fans what's up we saw your shirt 
Yeah, man. I love dolphins. But, you know, I know I always bring this up. Dolphins have sex for pleasure. So my head kept going, oh, there's an orgy. My brother's like, dude, they're not having an orgy. I'm like, there's an orgy again today in the ocean. It's happening. A dude caught like a three-foot shark right in front of me. I was on the beach one day in the sound, right in front of me. You know, a small like sand shark, but yeah, right in front of me. I was like, this is awesome. I might move down there. You, you love the fucking, you love the nature show vibes. Ah, oh, dude. Dude, it was, it was, it's pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a great week. Great food. Love me some seafood. If you're from Ohio, you, you'll know this place because everybody goes to the Salty Dog Cafe, which is a little overrated. That's where we stayed right across the street from there. That that was the place where everybody had a T-shirt growing up from the Salty Dog Cafe. Right. That was their move. Sell T-shirts to Ohio tourists. Yeah. But yeah, it was good, man. How was Alaska? Alaska was good. Short trip. Uh, mostly in Anchorage, although I did take a one-day excursion to Wasilla, where famous vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin is from. Um, so got in on Thursday, uh, went out on Thursday night, got up Friday, went to Wasilla, did some shows in Wasilla, came back to some shows in Anchorage. I mean, the you know, you talk about the nature, like Alaska's on. Like it's unreal. You look out the window. Like if you're in, if you're in, you know, Colorado and you look out your window and you see the Rockies, you're like, wow, that's crazy. You look out your window in Alaska, you see 10 sets of the Rockies. It's there. It's so many, so many mountains and so many glaciers and so much shit. Like there was a bear in town. Apparently the day before I got there, they, you know, they had to take out a bear. There's uh, you know, people on the ride up, they said, 315 moose have been hit on that highway to Wasilla since July or whatever. It's Jesus. just so much. And everybody there is just Hunter Fisher. You know, that's the whole thing. So it was Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, they're like shows might be light because everybody's out doing some shit. But, you know, then it was rainy and uh, we had some great shows. But I, I got you know, listen, it's nuts. I mean, it went it got dark at 1130 p.m. And it's barely dark. Like the, the four hours that it's supposed to be sunset. It's like dusk. It's like, it's like that hour after sunset here. Like, so it, it never gets dark. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. So it never fully gets dark. How is that for sleeping? Well, I mean, that's the other thing. They're all alcoholics. The whole fucking, I mean, honestly, the state, they're well, alcoholics. I, well, they're, I knew the degenerate I, alcoholics, but I mean, I, I knew that's like a legit issue up there. Yeah. So for me, sleeping was passing out after somebody fed me shots every single night. Like, and, and apparently it's just like, you have to do it. I would say I told, I told a joke on stage about fireball and it was like in the middle of my set between that and the end of my set, they sent me seven, eight fireball shots. And I was like, listen, stop. Like I have another show after this. And then, then I mentioned, on the late show, I was like, I fucking said, I'm not saying any booze because I said fireball on the first show and they sent me fireball shots. So they go, well, I guess you just did mention it. Fireball, fireball. There's not, I must have had 15, 16 shots of fireball during my shows. Every time you're about to do a bit, some waiter hands you a fucking shot. You're like, Jesus, guys. So fireball is yeah. the one that has antifreeze in it, right? Yes. 
It's probably why I sound like this today. But I, I you know, escape from Alaska. Tell, but, tell me, tell me, can I ask you real quick the, the person? Like, like I'm curious about. I, I mean, it's it's stereotyping, but like, how would you describe the the Alaskan who's coming to your show? It's actually a. I think somebody told me. I don't know if this is a true fact or not, but a a Alaskan resident told me Anchorage is the most diverse city in America. Interesting, because I guess they have a lot of Pacific Islanders there. They have a lot of African Americans there. They have a lot of like native folk sure. there. A lot of white white people there. It, but it's insanely diverse. So it's really hard to pigeonhole the type of person that came to the shows. I mean, there was I'm just curious, know, like, like, what are they doing for work? You know, they work in oil, they're military, they are, you know, they, they work at a restaurant, they, one lady was, uh, you know, worked at a hospital, like I was talking to all the people, but it's very diverse. And they bond over being degenerate alcoholics. <laughs> I mean, Everybody is like, let's get fucked up. You want to go out? You want to go here? You want to go there? Like, geez. But it's pretty kind of, it's like, it's kind of country, you know, sure. a, lot of country, a lot of country music on the radios. I saw some line dancing. Um, you know, it's, it's rural. Yeah. I've it's always wanted to go. But in Anchorage, in Anchorage feels like Cleveland when you're in it. I can see that. But the nature part just outside, I mean, you go 10 minutes outside, but even from your window, even from the window of your hotel, you're like, holy, what am I looking at? You're, you feel like you're on the end of the earth and you are. That's nuts. I had a buddy. He did a trip. He asked me to do it. I didn't do it. He went, you know, into the wilderness for like 25 days talking, living in a tent. Yeah. To me, that's some crazy shit. It's seaplanes everywhere. And like, you know. Like we stayed the, the Wasilla show. They put you up one night there. It's on a lake. I woke up to a plane landing on the lake and, and it's like very common. Like there's thousands of little airports. There's a parts of Alaska you can only get to by, you know, plane. Basically there's no roads. It's, it's like the wild west. And they were saying, Hey, Oh, you should have seen it 20 years ago. They're like 20 years ago. It was like the wild west. I was like, geez, but Great people up there. The people in charge of the shows. If you ever go, if you ever go to Alaska, even on a trip, and you stay, you spend the night in Anchorage. Go to Coots, go to Chill Coot Charlie's. It's it's awesome. There's eleven bars in one bar. One of those bars they use for comedy. It's wild. Eleven bars in one bar. What does that mean? Yeah, like there's different rooms. One bar is like on a on a. You literally sit there on an angle. Because like it's they remade the bar from some other town where the bar got knocked over in an earthquake. There's a bar that just looks like a Russian room. There's a bar that looks like it's all made out of ice. That's there's cool, a, man. Yeah, that's really crazy. cool. And then there's just one room where they you know put on their shows. They do comedy, and crowds are awesome. Crowds are great. So if you're there on a visit, go to Coots. Yeah, and then I, I stayed at a haunted hotel. Apparently so haunted that there's a log book for guests to write down their interactions with ghosts. Such as any examples. Yeah. Like there's a, there's people always see these kids walking around. They hear kids playing in the hall. They call down to the front desk. Hey, you know, 
can you there's there's kids running around the hallways at 2 a.m and those like there's no kids staying here uh people see you know people see ghosts walking around people see things in mirrors there was apparently like an unsolved murder of the town sheriff back in the day he somehow was shot in the back with his own gun in the alley no one knows how it was solved they they think he's haunted but i literally said to the lady i got put on the third floor i was like third floor like heavy ghost she's like actually it's mostly the second floor and i was like oh okay and uh she was like kind of joking around it but then she was like read the book and like the book has all these a lot of people seeing things in 211 and 215 whatever i was on the third floor so then i go to wasilla and i come back the next day and i say to a different front desk girl i'm like ghosts still keeping themselves pretty much to the second floor and she like dead seriously was like they kind of go wherever they want so yeah the, you'll see them on three and i was like wait wait what <laughs> that's really cool that there's a log that people and can it's, document it's like a, it. It's a binder, dude. But it does make me wonder. Sometimes we see things we want to see. Totally. You know, like I didn't want to see ghosts. I blacked out every night, so I didn't see any ghosts. Like what part of that is you think you're seeing a ghost, but you ain't seeing a ghost because you know that everyone's writing down that they're seeing ghosts. It was wild. <laughs> That's uh, that's cool though. Well, we we, we had our our situ- so we would go on the balcony in Hilton Head and just listen to the waves, and I smoked cigars a few times, which I'm not a cigar smoker, which I kind of really enjoyed. Yeah, it's nice. Did you wake up sounding I, like this the next day? Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot for me because I'm such a little bitch because I'm not used to that. You know, it takes like an hour to smoke a cigar. Yeah. But we had some wild scenarios too. My brother came up with this idea. You know, he's drinking too. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm kicking back edibles. And it would usually be me, him, and his father in law. And my brother had this hypothetical because the pool is right below us. We're on the second floor. He says, okay, there's a kid drowning in the pool. No one else is around. What do you do? What's the quickest way to get down there to save him? And, you know, I stand up, I look at the balcony and I say, well, I'd go on the edge. I'd slide down the pool connecting our floor below to us. And then I'd go down the stairs there and jump in the pool. And I goes, oh yeah, that makes more sense than me. My brother's idea was to jump from the balcony onto a palm tree that he might not make and climb down. And then I was like, dude, you would literally lose your testicles. Like Donkey Kong jump yeah. onto a palm tree, slide down it, you know, with the jagged edges sticking out. I'm like, dude, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. My sister-in-law's idea was to go to the elevator. I'm like, what? The kid's dead. Yeah. Go down the elevator. It was so funny hearing different. Well, what floor were you on? The second floor. So you could run down the stairs. Yeah, but we're not, we're nowhere near the stairs and the stairs takes you outside. There's no stairs. You need to go through two garages to get to the pool. Jeez. Okay. Kid's dead. So you can't run down the stairs. So th- there were four. My, my thing is the, le- the least risky. I mean, my brother also, I go, I go, how are you going to make that jump from the patio to the thing? He claimed his brute strength of adrenaline could rip off the gate the metal gate on the, I'm like, dude, what, like, what are you talking about? Are you seeing ghosts? 
Hilton Head Island, man. And I came back to cicadas. I, you know, I want, I want to play this. I'm, I'm going to play this. If you can hear this, this, this is the dude there. There's a lot out and then we'll get to some sports. Let me, uh, I think I took this. Yeah. Let me tell me if you tell me if you can hear this, listen to this. Oh yeah. That's everywhere. This is just outside my front door. Everywhere, man. It's crazy. You don't need your white noise mach- machine next couple weeks. Oh, I'm in the basement. I can't hear that shit. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a I'm in a fucking bomb shelter. I'm prepared. I'm pre- well, however, however the NBA playoffs go, I'm prepared. I'm in the basement. The question is, how are you dealing with a three-one deficit with your Knicks? Um, listen, I didn't have super high hopes for the Knicks playoff run. I didn't. You know, there's a lot of Knicks fans who are ludicrous, like, oh, we're, we could, you know, we take them. We could, it's like, we're, we're already jumping by it. Like my thing was always, you know, when it looked to the whole year, like we were going to be like a six seed or, you know, uh, a seven seed, you know, it was always like, it'd be great to avoid the, uh, the play in. It'd be great to be a six seed, play a three seed. We saw obviously how that went for the heat. Um, but I didn't really have high hopes of them beating a Bucks team or a Nets team. Somebody asked me mid-year, like, what would you like to see? I'd like, I was like, I'd like to get a matchup with the Nets and play like a six-game series or a seven-game series and just have it be exciting. Now, when we ended up the four seed and we got a home series and we got it against Atlanta, who we played against really well this year, I had very high hopes of, you know, to me, it was like the successful season is getting through this series. And then getting boat raced by whoever, you know, by, by the Sixers. And then that would have been exciting for me as a, you know, somebody who hates Philly to just like, Hey, let's have a series to be down three, one. It's terrible. And, uh, but I think what, I think the good thing about the series, I'm not like heartbroken. I'm not devastated. Now I did wake up hung over a shit yesterday in an Alaskan hotel room and missed the first quarter of the game. And it was basically over and I wanted to die. But, um, you know, like the Knicks aren't a team that is progressing toward a championship caliber team yet. They are showing the beginning signs of turning things around, which is nice. Um, But this series has absolutely exposed major holes in you know what in the franchise still and those major holes are um first of all tibbs you know definitely gets a lot of effort out of guys and you know the criticism in the nba is always oh people turn it on in the playoffs well if you if you manage the four seed because you turn it on all year because you're young and you're hungry and your guys who all have something to prove then you play other teams turning it on you know, it's it's t- it's tough to win on effort alone in the NBA playoffs. It also exposes Julius Randle a little bit. He's had a horrible series and, you know, he had a great season, but everybody else is stepping up their game. Also, the thing with Julius Randle that for me is the big thing. And I feel like I'm the only person talking about this, but I've been talking about this since the all-star break is Julius Randle was something to prove was one player 
And Julius Randle post all-star game, who is being the alpha is not, it's just, it goes back to like my big criticism of most NBA players of all time. Like you, you dominate so much more if you can do all that stuff and facilitate. And he, he did that the whole year. He'd average six assists a game. He was facilitating the offense guys come and double him. He swings it. Now he's, doing what every fucking shithead basketball fan thinks you need to do. And Oh, when it's the playoffs, we need the guy with the killer instinct. We need the alpha dog to fucking take over. No, we don't. We need you to keep being the guy you were the whole year. Instead of being like, I'm going to take every shot. I'm going to force a ton of bad shots. I'm going to go two for 14 and we're going to be down three, one. It also exposes that the Knicks have, you know, pretty mediocre guard play. Derrick Rose has been great, but Derrick Rose can't be your future starting point guard. And it also exposes that, you know, R.J. Barrett is – see, I think the thing is I think R.J. Barrett, he's, he's still so young, but – so, you know, a guy like R.J. Barrett is going to have a, an off playoff game at 20 years old. He's going to. But I think what you're missing out on is the opportunity – to get RJ Barrett postseason reps as a facilitator, as a guy who you're running your offense through, because unless you go out and sign a great, great, great player, unless you go out and sign a Chris Paul in the off season or a LeBron in a year or two, whatever, you're going to need an RJ Barrett to be that guy to be facilitating your offense and to be like, no, we'll let Derek Rose and Julius Randall do it. Where's the long-term plan there? And so that's, what's been frustrating. That's more frustrating for me as a Knicks fan than them being down three, one is I feel like they're just trying desperately to win this series when they should be trying to build this franchise postseason reps and get the young guys who need them, the reps, how much worse could it be if they were playing quickly more, if they were letting RJ facilitate the offense more, they're down fucking three, one. Well, you know, most people didn't assume that they would be here. So it's almost a catch 22 when this happens to sports teams is that you want the young guys to develop, but then you're here. So you obviously also want to win and clearly Derek Rose isn't the long-term plan, but you're right. He has played well. He's played well, but again, it's like playing well in a vacuum of you're getting blown out in back-to-back games and they're now down three, one. It's like, you know, it goes back to the to the Kobe Bryant's and the you know the 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 Carmelo Anthony's of the world. How great is it to fucking score twenty five points on a lot of isolation ball and lose by twenty points? Well, look, one game at a time. They get the next game at the Garden. You know, you win that. Absolutely. Listen, absolutely. I have not given up on the series. I'm close to giving up on it. But to me, to me, more more importantly than that is like, listen. They're not going to win the next series, no matter what, right? So what does it really matter unless you're unless you're showing some sort of growth and showing some sort of this is what this team is going to be like in the future? I don't think the future of this team is Der- a Derrick Rose, Reggie Bullock backcourt with Julius Randle playing iso ball. And if, it, if that is the future, then 
then I'm back on the fucking what is what are we doing with Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau as the like great you got you coached the effort up in the regular season and stole a lot of games, but I don't like that as the future of this franchise. Yeah, well, you know, again, like I said, one game at a time. There are you know I think most a lot of these series are good. There are some series that are basically done, like Philly Washington is pretty much done. Bucks Miami is done. Yeah. Bucks have looked really impressive in the in that four game sweep. You know, I said coming into this playoffs, I was like, I think now they're the under the radar team and they are uh less pressure. Yeah, less pressure. And I honestly think I know Philly's looked good against Washington, but Milwaukee looking dominant against the Bucks. I, I like them. I like them against better the uh, against the Heat. I like them um I like them more than I like Philly right now. I think it is a, you know, I think it is the winner of the Nets Bucks series. Like I said, not that the Celtics series is officially over, but let's be honest, it's mostly over. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about that in, in life when you, when there's, when you don't have pressure and, uh, you know, you can do things under the radar. Well, I mean, I think that's a great transition into the Nets Celtic series. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving's mental health, Kyrie Irving's alpha dog ability, whether your team is good. If Kyrie is your number one guy, which, you know, there's definitely animosity between Kyrie and Boston. But I think that's mo- that mostly stems from him being a bust in Boston. Like, no one's saying Boston fans aren't racists and like we, we've we've got a long history of covering that on this show. But like, I don't know what he's upset about on the thing. It seems like what he's upset about is having a lot of pressure put on him to be the alpha in Boston, him not being able to shoulder that him now being the third option in Brooklyn and him thriving. Being able to take games off whenever he wants to just, you know, have a mental rest and he's better suited as not having the pressure of being the number one guy. Yeah. Which is a, what uh, I criticized him for originally when he left LeBron. He's an, he's an ensemble. He, he he's uh he's the guy, you know, the, the analogy I always use the actor who's not the lead. He's Steve but, Buscemi, but is great. I think he's a, eh, you can't get him. Buscemi brings it all the time yeah no disrespect to Buscemi but I would I would give him a grade above Buscemi okay well he's not the second player on the Nets these days right yeah who is he in the cast of friends they just did a reunion um that's a question that's so many there's so many I feel like he's Monica (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say Lisa Kudrow. I knew you were going to say that. No, she's not. That's that's Phoebe. Courtney uh, Cox. Courtney Cox, yeah. Shows how much I watch that show. He's Monica. Doesn't get nearly like the attention of a lot of the other, but like probably consistently better on an episode by episode basis than some of the other ones. What do you make of this fan throwing a water bottle at him? Well, you know, the, the fan stuff right now, you have the popcorn dumped on Russell Westbrook. Now you have this. 
it's people are getting a little uh little brash. I shouldn't say a little. They are getting brash. They're getting arrogant and they're feeling invincible. Hey man, I'm all for when these guys get punched in the face. Yeah. Um listen. Palace in the Palace number 2, whatever it is. Listen, there's a this has happened in Boston, Philadelphia, and New York. Yeah, all, that's right. All known for having, you know, ludicrous, loud, angry fan bases. I would say that what what was clearly most surprising to me, and I know I'm a biased Knicks fan, but it ain't fucking like Knicks playoff basketball at the Garden to be in the second row. It's fucking expensive. It's expensive. So not that I'm saying that there aren't rich shitheads. Obviously there are. Um, but everybody's been pent up. We have the post pandemic reopening of stadiums. We have the basketball, but like my, what I always say, and I say this about Philly and I say this about Boston. I say it less so about New York because I've seen it in those places firsthand. Every fan base, every single fan base has a small percentage of horrific shitheads. Now, I think that number tends to the, the scales tend to tip a little bit closer to even in places like Philly and Boston. So the idea that somebody's throwing popcorn in Philly or, you know, throwing a water bottle in Boston is not surprising to me. I think what was most surprising to me was the guy throwing a bottle at Kyrie in Boston after a guy had just fucking been suspended. Like this has now happened. We have four that happened in Utah too, where somebody was like talking to John Morant's family. Like guys are just getting suspended for life from arenas. Yeah. Well, the guy in Boston was charged with assault and battery. That's hmm. probably in, it's, it's probably an overcharge. Yeah, but, that's, that's what I'm thinking. But also, I'm okay with it because the the like charging him with that, whether he gets found guilty of it or not, he's now in a world of fucking shit. Like he now has to he now has to get a lawyer, and now he has to like whatever. So I almost think that they're setting a tone in the charge more than they are setting a tone in like will he do time? You know what I mean? Which is good. Scare people into not fucking doing this because it is a joke. Yeah, well, it is yeah, a it, fucking joke. It's egregious. I mean, if, if you're a fan, what you're doing is you're hurting it for other fans. You are. You're hurting players interacting with fans or the engagement that can happen during the games, which a lot of times is fun. You're, you're, you're going to make less players want to do that. So you're hurting the experience for everybody. You, you are a shithead. Like, like there's no need for that. In and sports. honestly, I just think, and I'll, I'll say it. I love Kevin Garnett, but obviously he had the, he had the Instagram post today. I've seen a lot of talking heads talk about it. I've seen a lot of people like this. He stomped on the logo thing is the lamest fucking thing I've ever heard. First of all, was he, first of all, he's a dork for doing it. Kyrie's a fucking dork for going up and stomping the logo when it was like, there's a million people out there like no one even fucking noticed it. The idea that it is a response to him doing that was stupid. It wasn't. I guarantee you 
five people noticed it. And then he's a dork for doing it. He's butt hurt because he went there and wasn't the alpha. And so now he's doing his little act out thing. I'm not, I'm not defending Kyrie at all, but the idea that you are a fan that is upset by that, you're even lamer. Who gives a shit? Somebody could shit on the Knicks logo. I don't care. Who cares? First of all, it's a basketball court. They fucking run up and down it all day. Yeah, the logo thing is interesting because you've seen that across sports. The, yeah. step, the stepping on the logo or the planting your flag, whatever it is. I've never found that to be that big of a deal either. People and get it's really fine. offended. Remember when, remember when, remember when T.O. did it and then the yes. Cowboys, like, first of all, he ran after a touchdown celebration to the 50-yard line and did the thing. The planting the flag, but like Kyrie walked over there and then like put, like, it looks like he was putting a cigarette out. Like he just like stomped it with his foot. Really, like, it's so lame. Who gives a shit? It's a leprechaun. I just can't even begin. I am a very passionate baseball, basketball, football fan. I get way too emotionally invested in my teams. I don't give a fuck what you do to our logo. I don't care. I'm just like, oh, I, I, I more think it's kind of sad. I go, I, I feel worse for Kyrie. I go, oh, you think people give like, oh, no. Did you step on the corn? Well, I, I, you know, I'm glad these people that were finally, I feel like it took so long for the lifetime ban. I'm glad that in the last few years, sports have started to implement that because what, what sucks about all this stuff is fans feel invincible and they feel, and they're, and they wrongly feel, I should say that they can get away with this shit and throw stuff and harass people and, have zero repercussions. Let me let me also say one other thing because I saw this as a common denominator in the Celtics kid and in the Knicks kid. If you're going to a fucking NBA game in an NBA jersey and you're not wearing a shirt underneath, you should kill yourself. <laughs> you're not on the team, my guy. You're you're wearing you're wearing Kyrie you're wearing a fucking Jason Tatum jersey without a shirt on underneath over your jeans. Bro, the guy, the guy in Boston had a Garnett jersey. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, whatever the guy, whoever it was, and the and the amount of fucking mellow fans I saw in New York without their shirts on underneath. It is the lamest thing I've ever seen. Put a t-shirt on underneath, and also, and, also, and, and also wear a fucking like you know warm up jacket or something. Also, advice for anybody who wants to throw something at somebody: you're gonna stick out wearing a giant number five Celtics green jersey. You're not really inconspicuous when you do yeah. that. I mean, like that should be, it's one of those things like, you know, remember minority report with like pre-crimes, like keep an eye on the guys showing up and no shirt on underneath. They're the ones that are going to spit on people because they're fucking stupid. You're not at the beach, dude. I at a fucking barbecue. What if somebody's ripped though? Like, what if somebody's jacked? I don't care. It's just, what are you doing? It's like wearing stirrups to a baseball game. Well, I would argue. It's like wearing shoulder pads to a football game. You could argue. It's inside. I'm not, of like, all the- 
you're you're at a baseball game and you're like, I'm trying to get my arms tanned. That's one thing. You can wear a basketball. You're you're you're, you're you know you're going you're in Arizona for spring training. You know tennis man. You're inside. You could also argue of all the jerseys for adults to wear at sports events. Basketball might be the most suspect. Probably. Probably. I would, I, I would say base. I would say baseball and football are much better for a grown man to wear a jersey. Basketball to me is a little sus. A little sus. But it's way. It's like almost infinitely less sus if you just like put on a t-shirt underneath. Like I've worn basketball jerseys to a basketball game with a t-shirt on underneath, and then I'll like wear a jacket. You know what I mean? I'll wear a hoodie that's open, or I'll wear a warm-up jacket that's open. Like it's a, it's a, it's my undershirt to show support. But like the idea of showing up in jeans and sneakers and, and a, a basketball Jersey directly yeah. under your skin, like a weirdo. Yeah. I didn't even want to do that when I played hoops, but you had to, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, we have three series, right? That are at two, two. Yeah. Clippers, Mavs, Lakers, Suns, Blazers, Nuggets, correct? Those are the three. Yep. So we have three good series, which could go either way. Although in some of them, like I, I hot start for <laughs> Dallas losing two in a row. I, I momentum is such a killer in sports. Yeah. And Kawhi's playing so well. Yeah. I mean, listen, it is, it remains Luca versus everybody. That's what I said. When we started this, or maybe I said that on, you know, I did a little Instagram live in place of our episode last week. It's Luca versus everybody. He needs to be exceptional. And he was in the first two games. Now, he's always great. But really, that's what that series comes down to is how great can he be? Because the Clippers are deeper. The Clippers are more talented, like at the top of their lineup. Um, but Luca is the best player on the court on most nights in the NBA and he needs to be legendarily good. And he was out of the gate and they, and and they're supposed to have the premier wing guys and whatever. And he's got to be facilitating other guys got to be hitting shots. You know, you're, you're going to need Perzingis. You're going to need Hardaway jr. You're going to need other guys to step up, but it's all going to be based on how, those guys stepping up is so much easier when he is dominant. So it's Luca versus everybody in that series. And he's, you know, he's proving himself to be one of the best in the league with his playoff performances last year in a loss. And this year so far in a series that's tied. Um, and, and as that, I think Cuban has a history of, you know, going and getting the talent that's needed. He's got plenty of time to put more guys around Luca, but that's what it's going to come down to. And so that makes that series really exciting. Cause, cause for basically, and it's kind of the same thing in the Portland uh, Denver series for, for the Blazers and the Mavericks to move on. You're going to need, you know, superhero series from Luca and from Lillard. And that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, it's tough, man. Like I said, the first two, they would have just split that at, in Dallas 
it's just you, you got veterans on that other team, you know, and the Clippers and guys who've been there. God, that would have been, dude. If they lose this series, I mean, the Clipper curse is unlike anything. If they lose this series, if the Clippers lose this series, yes, yeah. Well, listen, the the thing with the Clippers, and we've talked about this before, is I think Doc Rivers was a big issue in the past with the team. Um, but it's, it's one of those things. Well, who, you know, it's like we talk about with quarterbacks in the NFL, we talk about with whatever, like if you're going to get rid of them, who are you going to play? You know what I mean? If you're going to get rid of Andy Dalton, when you're the Bengals, who are you going to play? Oh, okay. Well now you got the number one overall pick. Well, now you can get rid of Dalton. You don't get rid of doc rivers to hire Ty Lue. I would think you get rid of Doc Rivers. I, you know, I said about the the Warriors back in the day, literally replace Mark Jackson with anybody, and they could be a championship contender. Doc Rivers isn't replacing with anybody, and Ty Lue, like, what? I mean, it's insane at this point that we're like, how many how many full on coaching careers has LeBron given out at this point? Well. He's got Kawhi and Paul George has played pretty well this series. And like you said, they're a lot deeper. But my point is, do you like the Clippers to win a second round series? Depends who they you, play. You barely like them to win this series. I like them to win now. That's two, two. Depends who they play. I don't like them tanking at the end. That's that's petty. Right. That was whack. That's that's not a good mindset for your team heading into the playoffs. That's exactly. Listen, didn't I say this about the Eagles when we did this whole thing? It's just also having veterans on your team and then being like, Hey, you guys, I think, I think you'd be better off not having to play this team. And then being like, wait, coach, you know, we're going to have to beat everybody eventually. And the Lakers got their hands full, man. I, I did not see that game for obviously Anthony Davis got hurt. His health is so unstable at this point. Lakers have their hands full. At the absolute, they absolutely do. And, you know, do they need Anthony Davis to win the series? I don't know that they need Anthony Davis to win the series, but I think it's going to be very difficult to win the series without him. Um, I, I am done. Not that I ever really did. It's been a long time since I've done it, but, like, I'm certainly not the kind of guy who's going to question LeBron James' ability to lose his damn mind for two straight games and just go, you know, 40, 15, 13 for two nights in a row and and blow out the Suns. I don't think he's healthy, man. You don't think LeBron's healthy? I don't think he's healthy enough to do that. I, I think he's I think he is healthy enough to do that. I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm just saying uh, I don't you know, the people who are like they need Anthony Davis to win the series. I disagree. Now, they might not win this series without Anthony Davis, but I don't think they need him to. Isn't that the and same thing? No. I think I think that the Lakers, I think LeBron, even though this rest of the supporting cast isn't great, I think the Lakers, When I think when you have LeBron James, LeBron James is going to get you guys open shots. This is the difference between, you know, what Julius Randle is doing for the Knicks and what, you know, other, like, Ball dominant guys have done the past. LeBron James is going to get you open shots. If you can knock them down, they can win the series 
in, in the next two games. Sure. It's a big F. Right. It's a big F. But like, you know, they're all NBA guys. They're supposed to be making open shots. They get them. Um, and I feel like that's the thing that's happened in the past with LeBron James. Seems like there's also this pressure of like these guys getting, you know, the whole two open thing. So, you know, like Danny Green's now a fucking sharpshooter again. All, all he got was wide open looks and was kind of mediocre for the Lakers. So my point is, yes, obviously it helps to have Anthony Davis. The series, Tug sent it to me. The series flipped from the Lakers at minus 900 to win the series before game four to now the Lakers like plus one something. And the, and the, and the Suns at minus 180 or something like that. So Vegas thinks the Suns are the favorites now. I don't think that the Lakers can make a championship run without Anthony Davis. I think they need him personally. I just think the injuries, you hate to see. I mean, you really hate to see it. This is pretty rare that you have two stars on one team that have got the injury bug like this, especially come playoff time. Well, hate- we also we also have a year where they didn't have any rest in the offseason. It was stupid. Yeah. It was stupid. It's we're, not- seeing this across, we're seeing this across sports. I know, and it's not going to be good for the NBA, though. It, it, it won't. It, look, I'm just saying that's my opinion. I don't think it'll be good for the NBA if, if the if the uh, Lakers lose. Like it just won't be good. I don't know. I mean, you see so many people who hate, 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 hate LeBron. Exactly. People hate watch. Right. You know, that's the thing. That's real. I mean, give credit to the Suns. They're they're young. They're fun to watch. They're well they coached. Great, they had a great season. Yeah, absolutely. So give credit where credit's due. Obviously, you know, Paul's hurt himself. Who do you think wins this series? If Anthony Davis is healthy enough, the Lakers do. If he's not, they lose. In fact, I'll go on record. Anthony Davis has to play the next game. All right. I've got Lakers to win the series either way, and I think Anthony Davis's health is is going to determine their playoff future. Okay, who wins Blazers, Mavs? I'm sorry, Blazers, Nuggets. I think the Nuggets do. I think um, I I just think that they're so much deeper. The star power with Lillard and CJ is definitely the top. Nurkic has been awesome, um, but I think the Nuggets do, and I think that the difference between Luca and Lillard in terms of you know that you need these superstar series is Lillard tends to do it with these like crazy shooting outbursts, crazy point outbursts. And I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying that the guy who facilitates the everything even more losing his mind gives you a better shot when you're like determined to win on the back of one guy. Um, but I think that series could go either way. And I honestly, I don't even know. I'm, I watched that series just like enjoying the basketball. Because I don't have really rooting interest. I used to love the Blazers. Then they got mellow, took, took away my love a little bit. Um, Denver, you know, I have no, I have no prior cares for Denver, although I love Jokic's game. 
Um, so I'm watching that basketball series just like in pure enjoyment. I think it could go either way, but I think the I think the Nuggets win. Yeah, I really wish it. I really wish Memphis could have pulled out last game. That they John Morant's so fun to watch. I said on the the Instagram thing I did, Andy. Uh, if you redrafted now, John Morant's won, right? Give me that draft again. Would it go Zion, RJ Barrett, Ja, RJ? Okay, Zion. You take interesting. So you take. Well, I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when we watched the when we did the um, March Madness thing, I was on take Jaw one then, and t- and I was you know convincing Tug, and I think I got Tug to come along for the ride, that we were a Jaw first guy, and now I just think that's obvious because he's the point guard. Yeah, and that's the NBA these days. Yeah, he's so fucking good, man. He's, he's incredible. So he's, he's great. So good. He's so fun to watch. And that was also why I was devastated. I like RJ Barrett, but the, you know, the difference between the two seed, the two second pick and the third pick, the difference between Ja and RJ Barrett. It's like, geez. I know it's been a while, but that uh that Warriors Grizzlies game, that playing game. Yeah. I was in my hotel. I was in a hotel in Asheville, North Carolina that night. Oh my God. That was probably one of the best games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was awesome. The back and, and forth. And the, and the Warriors Lakers game was awesome too. True. Yeah, we talked about that one. Yeah. Yeah, Jaw's fun to watch. I just don't think he's got enough pieces around him to win this series. I agree, but super fun to watch. Great for their future. Yeah. Again, this that's kind of you know the Memphis doing a little bit more same fucking draft class, doing it a little bit more the way I would like the Knicks to do it. It's like, and, and again, I think there's a big gap between what Jaws is able to do and what RJ Barrett's able to do, and that's this is not a diss of Barrett. I still like Barrett, but th- to me, this is why. Like, if if. If Jaws getting all these reps as the alpha in a series that they're probably not going to win. Yeah, but he's also the point guard. He's going to get those reps because of his position. Right. right? But I would I would argue that that's, you know, RJ Barrett's not a point guard, but he has the uh, he has the ability of a LeBron James light kind of he he is a great passer and he is a great facilitator and give him now. He's also been a great spot up shooter, but it's like you just need to put the load on him a little bit more because he is the future. You need to get him the reps. If you don't get him the reps now, he's just, you know, they're the, again, we're talking about like the mental aspect and we've got the Naomi Osaka thing and we've got Kyrie and we've got whatever, like the mental aspect of it is almost as important as anything else. And we've seen this before. We've seen guys make the leap. Wow. Last year he was pretty good this year. It's next level. Basically, long-term planning versus short-term planning. Yeah. Well, speaking of long-term planning, today is Memorial Day. It's a holiday. If you're going to have long-term planning for this summer with grill-outs, and I know grill-outs are a huge part of any holiday weekend. we got a lot of holiday weekends this summer. Make Butcher Box a part of those holiday grill-outs. Guys, 
Today's sponsor, ButcherBox, believes everyone deserves high-quality, humanely sourced meat. It's not always easy to get grass-fed, free-range, organic chicken, grass-fed beef, humanely raised pork, or wild-caught salmon at the grocery store. It's not easy. Well, guess what? I got a solution for that. You can have it sent directly to your house with our friends at ButcherBox. And even better, when you sign up now, you get a free barbecue bundle in your first box. That's two New York strip strip steaks, six burgers, and five pounds of drumsticks, all for free in your first box. I mean, I love grilling out. I love summer cookouts. I don't know what you're waiting for, Dirt Balls. This is an offer that's too great to beat, and it's all healthy by that i mean you know no added antibiotics or hormones ever it's packed fresh it's shipped frozen in a vacuum sealed so it stays healthy right to your front door so quick reminder for a limited time butcher box is offering new members a free barbecue bundle in their first box that's two barbecue bundle get that barbecue bundle son or lady that's two new york strips daughter (laughs) Yeah, anybody. It's for everybody. That's two New York strip steaks, six burgers, and five pounds of drumsticks. Mm, love me some drumsticks. All for free in your first box. Simply go to butcherbox.com forward slash dirty. That's butcherbox.com forward slash dirty to get a free barbecue bundle in your first box. And uh, I'm hungry just reading that because... I don't have any food at my house. I need some butcher box to come here ASAP because I just got back. Yeah. Yeah. You know how it is when you leave and then you get back into town. Totally. And you get nothing in the fridge and you're like, no. Yeah. And it's even worse when like one of your nephews or nieces slightly left open the freezer and it's all jacked up and like frozen. Not that that happened to me. Whoever it was, you better come forward because Uncle Andy is not happy about it. I what are the chances it's one of your nieces and nephews that also listens to our podcast? None. Okay. Never. Never. They would never be allowed. Probably ever. Until they get older. And then they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. You're, you're disgusting. Yeah. I don't I think. That, I love that your niece or nephew talks like one of the Kardashians. Yeah. I will say, speaking of my nieces and nephews. There's a major, major shortage of workers at Kings Island this year. Really? They are 900 workers short. That's insane. They're offering for security. Tell me. Why I don't you apply. work at Kings Island? That's what I'm saying. Tell me I want to listen to this. Listen to what they're offering for security. The irony, since I was escorted out by security. They're yeah, offering. I, say it. I think you're, I don't think you qualify. They're offering $18 an hour plus a possible $3,000 bonus signing bonus what you know what's crazy is with all this stuff happening with unemployment that's something we realized in south carolina too major shortages everywhere all the restaurants are short-staffed all these type of summer jobs short-staffed they need nine king's island had to had to start shutting down two hours early they don't have the staff dare i say Summer job, Kings Island, me? Who needs the pass when you can go there every day for work? 
five days a week. You'd immediately hate it. You'd be like, fuck this place. You know what's crazy? I actually looked at jobs they're offering today. I'm going to be honest. I was like, you know, I got a lot of time on my hands. Escorted out by security joins the security team. This is like, this is every, this is every NYPD story in history. <laughs> it's a sitcom, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's an episode of Workaholics. Can you imagine me? I'm going to be 40 in November. Can you imagine me working with a bunch of like 16 to 22 year olds? It's Adventureland. I'd be so creepy. Like they would look at me being creepy. You're already, you're creepy just going. Eh, Not with kids. No, they're not your kids. (laughs) I mean, I'm not flying solo. Or I just go to Hilton Head. I wait tables for the summer. Let's go. Summer job. I've never wanted a summer job so bad. I got too much time on my hands. Summer job season. What do they call it? White boy summer. That's what was that? Is that what Tom Hanks kid said? Yeah. Chet Hanks. Isn't that his name? Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, we do have tennis on the rundown. We do. You alluded to it earlier. Naomi Osaka has withdrawn from the French Open because she doesn't want to speak to the media. Well, she, yeah, that's the that's kind of the easiest way to put it. So I, yeah, I'm simplifying more, it. Yeah, more what happened is she didn't want to speak to the media, and then the tennis, uh, you know, the 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 tennis association and the French Open and the whatever started this whole thing of saying, hey. You can't not speak to the media. We could find you. We could ban she you was from fine. tournaments. Yeah, she was fine. We could ban you from tournaments, blah, blah, blah. And then that, her not wanting to speak to the media one time or her missing some press one time caused uh, a lot, a big story. And so now her thing is, it to, just to be fair to her, um, she isn't, she withdrew because she doesn't want to be the distraction of that story. And then also, I'm sure, you know, wanting the freedom to not talk to the press if she did. Well, look, she's, she's been very transparent, which uh, I think is always great. And she made multiple posts about it. She's saying, I'm not a natural public speaker. And she said, I get huge waves of anxiety before I speak to the world's media, which is totally understandable. She is introverted. She's young. She's obviously a phenom. She's amazing to watch. I, you know, I, we watched that last match what was that an australian open against serena yep um she's pretty badass as an athlete i mean i mean this brings this is like a whole discussion because you see it from you see it from all sides i actually don't see it from all sides anymore i talked about this when we did the Kyrie thing a couple weeks ago i just think this whole thing is antiquated um more people are going to see her instagram posts than are probably going to watch the french open finals um we don't need to for the, listen, I'm not saying that it was never necessary. I think it absolutely was necessary when many of the sports leagues, many of the f- sports leagues were blown up by television. The NBA had, you know, tape delay baseball. The world series has always been televised football. The, the TV deal is huge. The TV deals around tennis and golf. It's all blo- been blown up from that. So, in the heyday of ESPN, the early days of ESPN, the early days of 24 seven sports coverage, making it um, 
that an athlete has to do their part for the media totally made sense. All of these leagues now, tennis, golf, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, they're all self-sustained. Yes, we have to, you know, could they always be making more money? Sure. But we're not in, like, women's tennis isn't collapsing because these women don't have to do press. Social media is a a thing that people get more hits on their social media than you'd see on TV. But you could argue, like, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. You could argue that social media also entails interviews which then become viral sure absolutely but my point is the idea that these athletes are being forced to speak i think that was that was necessary at some time but is no longer necessary i think it's very antiquated and i gotta say here's the other thing the owners aren't forced to speak the coaches aren't are forced to speak but like when you're thinking about a football team the defensive coordinator is probably more important to a football team than anybody but the coach and the quarterback. They don't ever have to talk to the press. So we're building the game. Well, I'm sure they do. Life. It just doesn't get the, the publicity it should. They, they don't. You never see the forced post-game defensive coordinator interview. When's the last time you saw a defensive coordinator's interview? Again, I, I don't I don't know if they're being interviewed or if they're just not showing it. The problem I have with all this, again, I don't know much about tennis, but just reading into it, like these threats of suspending her from future Well, grand, they're trying to set a precedent that not grand only should you not do that. Yeah. Not only should you not do this, that no one should get this idea to do it's this. A, it's a slippery road, especially Look, she's being honest. She doesn't like it. It's not good for her mental health. She's being pretty forefront. And look, her play does speak for itself on the court, how good she is. So I, I see, I definitely see that. It, it I, is also, I also think that there should be, you know, the idea that everybody is held to the same thing. So she's a phenom and she's got to do it when she's fucking 16 and 17. And she's held to the same exact standard as Serena Williams, who's been doing it her whole life and is pushing 40. Like I'm talking, forget tennis, every sport, the players are getting younger. The idea that an 18 year old has to go up to an NBA podium and speak if they demand it for the same length of time that LeBron does, who's 36 years old, who's been doing hit his whole life. Like I'd like to see if, if, if they are going to, and I would again say, I think this is a, a shitty argument that, that it's necessary for the future of the game. I would say that's a bad argument. But if you made that argument, I would say we need to talk about you only have to do X amount of press if you're 15 to 20. And then you can do X amount of press when you've been in the league five years. And then when you've been in the league 10 years, we can up it a little bit more. If you're a 15-year veteran in the sport, Listen, if they want to ask you an hour of fucking questions and you got, you know, whatever we're talking like the idea with everything that's going on with people embracing mental health. I mean, look at every child actor in history as a drug problem. Like, Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I don't think people realize at that age. 
having to answer questions, how difficult it can be. And also the amount of introverted entertainers or musicians or writers, whatever it is, who've been brilliant. And to me, that that is a fair, fair comparison. Well, and, and, you know, this is something I think about, like I, I put myself in, this, this is where things are lately, like in comedy right now. If you if you're out there, if you're a dirty sports fan, you go, why doesn't Joe Prano come to my town? Hey, when are you going to come to Ohio? Hey, when are you going to come to Houston? Follow me on Instagram. That's it. Follow me on Instagram. I don't get booked the places you want me to get booked because I don't have 100,000 Instagram followers. The end. End of story. That's it. That's the end of the story. And the reason is because these days the clubs want you to use your social media to sell their tickets. Then they want you to come and they do and they want you to do an hour. And so. I have to promote your shows and I have to perform your shows. What would you say you do here? If you can't sell your own tickets, if you're a comedy club and you can't sell your own tickets, your business model sucks. If you need me to do literally all the work for you, get out of the comedy game. It's pathetic that there, we are asked to do literally everything. And the same goes for tennis. If you can't sell tennis without the, the fucking 15 year old girl coming up and giving you sound bites, you're shitty at your job. Comedy works in Denver. Doesn't need me to promote the shows. They're going to sell their tickets every fucking week because they have a history of being a great comedy club and people trust them. So like it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. There's so many people that work in these organizations in these sports leagues. They're employed to be a media person or the head of marketing or the whatever. And they can't market the game without a 15 year old girl going like, what was it like to play against your hero? Were you really, really nervous? Sell the matches, sell the ambiance, sell the, sell the tourism, do your job. Well, I, I think a lot, I do think a lot of the questions are stupid. I've said this for years. I think a lot of the reporters are boring they're lame for lack of a better term. They ask the same questions over and over. And, and guess what, Andy, when I did that job, when Pete Sestaro and I went to games and we would ask different questions and they would be furious about it. And you're going, we're actually making this entertaining. They love the boring. They love the like, and, and you're like, again, if you need this, if your sport or your show, or your club, or your movie, or your whatever, can't survive without the person that is providing all of the entertainment when you actually go to do it, doing above and beyond the work just to sell it, then you have a shitty product. Look, interviews can be great because you do get to know people. I, I think that can be awesome, right? You get to know the personality of an athlete and a lot of interviews have brought people like brought their character out. I mean, you could even argue Marshawn Lynch became, he did, he became a thing because of the Super Bowl. Like, like that was the start. Now he's a media guy. Like he's, I don't know if I call him a media guy, but he is a TV personality that everybody loves. So, so there, there can be an argument made from that side for sure. But I definitely think there has to be a balance. You obviously have the opportunity all you want. We have, you know, it's also a double-edged sword because then you have guys who are media savvy 
who go, oh, I'm going to take this opportunity that you force me to do to talk about other things. And then people go, uh, stick to basketball. LeBron, no one cares what you're reading. Why are you talking about this if you're not talking about that? It's like you want to force people to do media. Then you want to force what they say in the media. Fuck you. Well, I, I think it, as far as that's concerned, I don't know tennis. They probably don't because it's an individual, individual sport. But the other sports, this should be something that's worked into their union and collective bargaining agreement. And I assume it is. Right. Yeah, it is. And they and they serve these players up on a platter if they want to talk to you. But my argument would be the union has to then represent a, the players better in the negotiations of these contracts. But the problem is, you know, the organization, the, it's like it's the thing that they will give in on because they want to not get drug tested and they want to not get this. And all those negotiations are always a we'll give up on this so that we can get this. We'll give up on this so we can get this. But the bottom line is, I, I, I repeat myself, in 2021, this is not 1985 anymore. In 2021, if you can't sell your whatever entertainment without us having to do the work for you, whether it be the athlete, the entertainer, the movie star, the musician, the whatever, you're a shithead. You're doing a shitty job. Sell the product. That's your job is to sell the product. My job is to come and do the product. Naomi Osaka's job is to show up and beat somebody in tennis. It's your job to sell that. Get yeah. a better editor. Get a better fucking PR team. Get better billboards. Get better fucking sponsorships. Talk to ESPN. Get them to show. Get them to do in-depth coverage of your matches. Get them whatever. You need some fucking teenager with social anxiety to go out there and sell it. You suck at your job. Or just market their play again on the right court. But the, the, the idea of threatening to prevent your, your star tennis player, the number two ranked player in the world from playing in future grand slams. I mean, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, but they're doing it so that other girls don't do it and other guys don't do it. And people don't. And how's that worked out? Now she pulls out. So you, you, she decided to take you up on what you were threatening her with. Well, Let's look, see how that's going to work out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have the control. 16,000, I think. Uh, I think there were 16,000 comments on her thing before the show when I checked it. Her last Instagram post had 600. Just 16,000. You, if you don't realize that the social media presence that these athletes can provide, like it's not even a the idea that you're forcing them to do television. But it's you, you know this this is the old adage of you're dealing with old heads. That's the problem. You're you're dealing with old heads who are calling shots for too many corporations because you can essentially call us a corporation for a lack of better term. And the old heads don't know. It's, it's, it's like, I'll, I'll never forget the conversation that I had with Pat McAfee after he did our show like three years ago or whatever, when we were in the top of my parking garage, Todd Mac, because he kept using that term. He said, the old heads, they don't get me. They don't get what I do. Obviously people love him and he has a massive social media. And that's what he was saying to me 
when we were shooting the shit afterwards, it's like the old heads, they don't know what to make of me because I'm young and I say stuff that can be out of left field, but people love me. So I have a following. So I think that's the problem, especially with a sport like tennis. I'm assuming I don't know tennis, but you got old heads who don't understand this stuff. Right. Who don't understand. Hey, when I put an Instagram post out there, I reach so many people instantly. So maybe we should gear our promotions and our publicity using that. Or, hey, what if I did a Q&A on my Instagram live story? Working with the Tennis Association, whatever it is, you know, I don't know. But I mean, it's just so crazy that we, you know, that again, it's so antiquated. There was a time where you did a post-game press conference in any sport. You saw it on the local news after the game. You maybe saw it on ESPN. ESPN obviously isn't doing post-game press conferences for every sporting event and showing them during Sports Center. Yeah. And and that's who it reached. And now I can see every single one on the internet. And I can see every single I can see when Brooks Kepka fucking flubs it. Like that wasn't that didn't even air. And we saw it. The idea that you're going, there, there's so much media everywhere. Everybody has a phone, social media. The idea that you're going to force them into the most antiquated thing where 12 old white dudes who've never held a, ten, held a tennis racket go like, what was it like playing against your hero out there? How many times do you want me to answer this? I played Serena 20 times. Yeah. I know. It's it's the... It's the Bob Ryans and the Bill Plaschkeys and just these guys who are, they're dinosaurs. They're dinosaurs. They're dinosaur reporters that have been with the Boston Globe or the LA Times or the New York Times. They've been there for 50 years. Exactly. And they ask her, what's it like playing against your hero? It's like, dude, how many times am I going to answer this question? I would be like, what's it like you asking the same stupid question I've heard a million times? What's yeah. that like? And then they do that and they'll do these diva athletes. It's so antiquated to force them to be there, then try to control what they say. Well. Because in the end, they're just going to go into their notes app, tell you exactly what they're saying and have way more people see it than will ever watch. Probably any round of the tournament until at least the finals. Let's uh, let's hear from the dirt balls. Let's do it. Let's wrap it up with that. We have a call from our Indy 500 correspondent. Okay. Do we Double have, I D. Didn't know, I didn't know we had one of those. Uh, he calls every year. Okay. Double D. I think it's he left three calls. Let's hope this is the right one. Bruiser Prano, it's your boy Double D Dan Dole calling from Indianapolis, Indiana, the official Indianapolis 500 correspondent. Want to say happy Memorial Day. I'm drinking a Miller Lite, the official beer of the Indianapolis 500 and Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Take a look into the cars going by. Cheers. Sounds like this cadence. I gotta say it was very well timed of him. Yeah, it's pretty good call. Looks like third time was a charm. He had a couple previous ones. He probably tried to get the uh, the car a couple times. That was 
I mean, I don't know if it took him a couple calls, but it was great. Great job. That's and, now, got, and of course, I remember Dan. That's that's a sporting event I still need to go to. The Indy 500. You're so close. I know. I will. That that was one thing I noticed. You can get time off from Kings Island. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Could be tough. That that's that's the one thing I felt good about being on vacation. Like there's definitely normalcy, especially in a place like South Carolina. That was that was the first time ever. And I couldn't tell you how long where I was like, oh, I don't have a mask and it didn't matter. Yeah. But I, I think about that. I'm bringing that up because of the Indy 500, like where you could have a mass gathering and in two days, the Reds are going to go back to full capacity, which means they'll have the same capacity that they had. Right. When it was COVID capacity. Because the fans here suck. Okay. We alluded to it earlier. Let's... Uh, Let's lead in with this call. What's up, guys? Matt Boonstra, Grand Rapids, Michigan Dirtball. Um, what's your take on this Brooks and Bryson bullshit? I feels like they're both being fucking cheese dicks to generate attention for this new PGA Tour social media incentive package. I don't know. They're both fucking cheese dicks at this point. Um, just want to know your take. Condoms are for uh, Draymond Green. Fuck that guy. Not to correct you, but I'm going to. It's cheddar dicks, not cheese dicks. Although cheese dicks you can use too, but the professional one that I've always used is cheddar dicks. Um, so I saw this right when it happened. Then Tug got really, you know, Tug Tug shared with me the Phil Mickelson thing that happened after. Here's my take on specifically these two guys, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka having beef is like two fraternity houses having beef. Oh, like Fiji and Delts are going at it. It's like, cool. Let me know who wins the war of the douches. I don't care. Dorks. Yeah. Now, listen, here's here's my like to, to dive in a little bit because I have gotten into golf recently and and tug's got me you know caring about the pga more everybody knows bryson is like a you know autistic weirdo dork all this social media stuff is super cringy and you know he's definitely got super cheddar dick vibes and i get that people don't like that but to me cringe even though it's cringy is better than being an over the top douche, which I think Brooks Kepka is. I can't believe how many people I see in golf social media that are like team Brooks Kepka. If you're a golf guy who has open beef with another golfer and you wear a fucking goatee to me, you are the world's biggest douche. So while I, while I am, well, no one likes cringy, forced, autistic like social media posts. Uh, I am way on Team Bryson here, even though in the end it's just two fraternity houses fighting, battle of the douches. This is the lamest beef that I maybe have ever seen. Like you talk about a manufactured sports beef, but apparently Brooks Kepka has like had a 
like has hated him forever. And I've heard a lot of people, because now I know a lot of guys who play golf, like they hate Bryson. And that's fine. That's fine. But even but, the video, like the video that leaked, like, Brooks oh, my God, such a douche. But but again, it's so dramatic over. He rolled his eyes and muttered some profanity under his breath. Dude, dude, that, that's what we're talking about here. And I just yeah, that's the thing. Like, I can't believe there are people that are defending because it just seems like, bro, like you're so triggered by basically you. Well, no, I, it's to me, it's it's I'm just saying the whole thing is lame, in my opinion. Like, I don't even I don't even know if it's it's fraternity beef. It's this is grade school beef. This is two girls in seventh grade. Well, that's why I said it's fraternity beef, because it's like none of this matters. You you're like the whole thing, like, no, I messed with my brother. And you're like, bro, what are you talking about? We're two clubhouses fighting two college clubhouses fighting. It's like. There, it's it's as cringe to me as golfers who take themselves so seriously. Grade school is childish. Fraternity house and golfer beef is delusional. Yeah, the whole thing is pretty lame. All right, I'm but gonna. I, will, I just want to say once again because I really don't have a side in this beef, but I just think Brooks Kepka might be the biggest douche I've ever seen. And I, the idea that there's so many people who are like rabid Brooks Kepka fans. I'm going to go to the YouTube on this question because he DM me this and it seems like it's the same. It's got to be the same person because I, I, I pulled up the stats now. I think it's, a, it's such a random question, but it's funny. Who had a better NFL career, Tim Tebow or Colt McCoy? Colt McCoy. It's got to be like I'm looking at their stats right now. It's got to be Colt McCoy, right? Well, what do you mean? If Colt McCoy's still in the NFL, he's played 10 years. Yeah. He started 30 games. I mean, that I don't even really Tebow's, think that's a question. Tebow started 16 games. McCoy has more yards, touchdowns. I mean, I mean, it's. I'd rather be a backup quarterback in the NFL than a guy who got an opportunity to start and immediately washed out is it because one guy has one playoff win is that is that like the tebow argument on the on the weirdest luckiest play ever where he like come on with a great defense i don't even think this is a question truly but that's what it has to be, right? Like that's I'm 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 just trying to understand the argument for Tebow. Is is it because he and I'm has telling the, you there is no argument for Tebow, in my opinion. No, wh- what other what other career could you ever say this about? Yes, yeah, this, this I just it's gotta be Cole McCoy. I mean, Tim Tebow, I don't know how he did it. He won. He went seven and four in those 11 starts in 2011. And two years later, they won a super, they went to back to back, you know, Super Bowls or a Super Bowl with, and, you know, a break in the between with a, with a decrepit Peyton Manning. All you had to be was competent. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, literally, it was it the next 
the Peyton's first year was right after Tebow. He broke every offensive record. Yeah. With a guy who was thrown for 60 yards a game. I mean, Tim, <laughs> Tim Tebow in those two playoff games in 2011 completed 40% of his passes in two games. Yeah. Like 40%. Yeah. I don't think it's really an argument. I think it's got to be Colt McCoy. I bet that's two. That's a bunch of bros just arguing. It's got to be that. All right. Let's get through a few more calls. Hey, fellas. It's longtime listener JT from Jersey coming at you with a music question. Do either of you guys ever listen to country music? Um, I'm a big country guy myself, even though I'm from Jersey. Love listening to it in the summer, to and from work. Uh, so, yeah, let me know. Um, I am not much of a country music guy, uh, but I do like, I guess I would say that I like alt country um, or I, I don't even know. Like, I, I always think of it as like kind of like Americana music as opposed to like country music, like, you know, like Sturgill Simpson, you know, um, like that to me, that's like, there's a big difference between that and like one margarita, two margaritas, three margaritas, Lynn shots. Like I don't listen to a whole lot of like, you know, songs that are written about like Bud, Bud Light and dogs. You want me to try to grab it? Oh, it's totally up to you. They already hung on. It's this, the call thing sucks. Uh, uh, you, so you, yeah, you're uh, talking. No, I, I feel you like outlaw country. Or you like know, Toby Americana type shit. It's terrible. I mean, if you put in country music star right now, like, let's see if I put this in the country music star, just put it in, you know, George Strait, Tim McGraw, Garth Brooks, Carrie Underwood, you know, like, you know, you got Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. I listen to those guys. Yeah. Never. Couldn't name a Dirk Bentley song unless I just accidentally did, unless he did the Margarita song. Keith Urban, Blake Shelton, Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney. I couldn't name a fucking single song. Brad Paisley. No idea. So when we were driving through the Appalachian Mountains, which which are gorgeous, I my brother was like, oh, I want to play a little. And then we drove through Tennessee. He's like, I'm gonna play he played Dolly Parton's greatest hits. Like, like those are those are great songs. And I could sit there and listen for an hour and listen to Dolly Parton because she was amazing, but I'm not going out of my way. And then he was doing um, Johnny Cash, which is great. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he was doing those, you know, the legends, so to speak, but I'm the same way. I'm not, I'm not going out of my way. Like I like a lot of Garth Brooks, like his classics, but I'm not, no. No, I dude, like I was saying, like the Toby Keith type shit. I put a put a gun in my mouth and just pull the trigger, man. Like, and and there are country songs that I like, you know. And uh, yeah, there are like I don't actually mind, con- like the vibe of country music. But like I think when and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this isn't. Maybe this isn't what he's assuming. But like my girlfriend likes this stuff, and we watched the CMT Awards one day, and it's all fucking, you know. Like I said, it's it's all those names I just listed, and I think it's garbage. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to hear about like my hometown. 
it's got a post office in my hometown and you know Marin Morris and fucking Toby like I just no no as someone who shared a room with a brother who loved country an older brother so I had to hear it all the time growing up I mean all the time non-stop country I couldn't stand it and maybe that's why I'm not a biggest fan is you do the opposite but all that crap Alan like and, and maybe I shouldn't call it crap but like Alan Jackson like all dude yeah the only one I always like, was like oh. you know Sturgill Simpson Tyler Childers these guys like I think that they I don't know if they would be considered like country stars. You know? well, well, the kind of country more bluesy. Yeah. Is, Bulky, is, Alf, yeah. you know, it is, is a I love better the Wood vibe. Brothers, but I don't I don't ever think of that as country music. Think if you wear the fucking hat. And your shit is about, you know, my hometown got yeah, a girl hometown. named Deborah. I mean, there's literally a f- like like the number one country song for a minute was like my order at a fucking at brunch. He's like one margarita, two margarita, three margaritas and shots. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Half the time it's like fucking these guys like, dude, who thinks this is a good song? When I go to the fishing hole with my dog, with my hose, you're like, bro. There's a lot of people who think that's a good song. Oh, I know. It's horrific. It probably still is, you know, for the longest time. I mean, you can think- imagine, can you imagine like you woke up one day, your wife's mad at you. Baby, what did you do last night? Oh, I, I had the worst headache. I had one margarita and then I had two margaritas. Then they made me get a third margarita. Then we took shots and he's like, wait, hold on. I think I just wrote something. <laughs> like, yeah. Recapping well, a hangover. Well, for the longest time, country was the most selling, you know, the most selling genre of any genre as far as record sales. But I know, I, I know for a fact in the 2000s, hip hop took that over one year. I don't know if it sustained that, but I know it took it over. But dude, I mean, didn't, you got didn't Toby Keith have a song about literally red solo cups. Yes. I mean, that's unbelievable. So, I mean, so, I swear I, to these guys go to fucking Sam's Club and they're like, I just need to write a new song. I don't know if it was Toby Keith. Somebody. Yeah. I, somebody had a song. But Red Solo Cups, Red Solo Cups. Yeah. I yeah. swear there's walking around Costco and like, oh, man, what rhymes with Arrowhead water? No, no way. They're rocking, they're rocking around Sam's Club. Not They're not paying for that. Costco, Costco as a Costco member, that's a little high grade for them. And then all that, the other thing is you see these, a lot, a lot of these things are like super produced. They're just pop stars. They're just pop stars that, that, yeah. that target a specific market. All right, let's get to one more call. Hey guys, it's Clay from uh, Greenville, South Carolina. I uh, just want to say I love the podcast. Uh, love Not Light, best beer ever made. Uh, just had a quick question. Um, what, what is your worst experience at a ballpark? Uh, Andy, hit me up if you want to come have some beers in Greenville or if uh, you just want to get some dinner. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Clay. Yeah, I drove, I think, around that area. I think he, he messaged me as well. Worst experience. I This is easy for me. 
I went to a, you know, we don't have an NBA team in, in Cincinnati, obviously. So there was a preseason game. I don't even know what it's called now. The downtown arena, which is terrible in Cincinnati, formerly known as the Riverfront Coliseum. And it was after the Bulls had won their first three-peat. And it was a preseason game. Bulls-Sonics, the two teams that had just played. And Jordan out because he decided to play baseball. Pippen hurt. <coughs> Sean Kemp not playing. Gary Payton not playing. I had won the tickets through some contest. It's a long story, but literally the seats that we had, it was sold out. The seats that we had, they had a, they had a back to them. There was no seat. <laughs> there was no fucking seat. Like where you Ridiculous. flip the seat, there was no seat. My dad's like, what is this? And my uncle had spent a lot of money and he has three kids to go. And like, I remember like our feet were getting stuck to the ground. Again, nobody plays there really. It's just an old arena. And all those stars weren't playing because it was preseason. It was the worst experience ever that I've ever had at a ballpark or an arena. It was the worst ever. Luckily, we didn't pay for the tickets. The only highlight was like, oh, who's this Kukoc guy? Like he was the only guy playing. It was is about going to be his first year in the NBA. Hall of Famer, Tony Kukoc. I forgot. Yeah. That that by far is my worst experience. I mean, mine is also easily the vet the vet in Philadelphia. Garbage people, garbage stadium, garbage team. But really the garbage people. I've I've I mean, it is it is one of the through lines of the Joe Prano dirty sports career. Um hate Philadelphia fans. You know, I feel bad for their teams. I feel bad for their own i I feel bad for their fans that aren't garbage people. Um, they're the worst. They're the worst people. And I feel, I truly do feel bad for like, you know, fans of those teams who just want to go watch a ball game. Um, they're it's a cesspool of human garbage. The vet is disgusting. Um, and sec, honestly, it, it's, it's number one on my list because they were awful humans and the stadium was bad. But when I went to the link, which is a nice stadium, that's, the second place on the list because their terrible fans ruined that. Uh, the, and, and here's the thing, Philadelphia 76ers games, not nearly as bad. And specifically because I think the type of people that make Philadelphia Phillies games and Philadelphia Eagles games, the worst, truly the worst are the people who are like, I don't like the NBA, all the traveling and the social justice. And I don't like it. They just seem real lazy to me. Those, they never play defense. They don't hit each other like they did in the 80s. And you're like, I, okay, tell me you're racist without <laughs> telling me you're racist. Sounds like old heads. Yeah. But also just like garbage, outer Philly, you know, Delco, Jersey Shore, garbage people that come down to the fucking vet and try to ruin people's lives and spend money to throw their food around and curse at kids and spit at women and human well, trash, human trash, it, the seventh ring of hell. It is making me think about his question up there for worse stadium experience. And it no longer exists. Qualcomm stadium. 
was horrible. Do you remember when we it went still to that? Exists, it still exists, though. It still exists. It's gone. They took it down. They took it down. They imploded it. Did they yeah, blow it up? It's donezo. Are you sure? I'm positive. We were one of the last, like that Notre we Dame, the Notre Dame game there. That Notre Dame Navy game was like one of the last games. And I went to a Giants Chargers game there. It was a dump. Oh, Oakland Coliseum was a dump. But it was like, you know, no one cared. Like I went, you know, it wasn't like, like again, I think the stadium is one thing, but the people just contribute to because citizens make ballpark in Philadelphia is also really nice. And I will never step foot in the place again. I've been there, done that, have a picture. You know, what's an interesting question. I hope they'll choke on their processed cheese. I thought about this today. When are they going to want new stadiums again? So like we're, we're in that wave now where a lot of stadiums were made early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking about Cincinnati in particular. Riverfront Coliseum was built and the first game for the Reds and Bengals was 1970. The Bengals Stadium, 2000. So it lasted 30 years. The Bengals yeah. Stadium debuted in 2000. The Reds Stadium debuted in 2003. So we're almost 20 years in. My question would be to most cities – are they going to want new stadiums every 30 years? Well, you'd like to think no, um, but it seems like that might be the case. I mean, look at Atlanta. The, yeah. Man, to me, that's ridiculous. I agree. Like 30 years isn't that long. No. And I think I don't, I honestly don't think that. I mean, well, let's see how the architecture and the, you know, how, how nice these places are and do the, you know, do the super modern stadium start drawing people because of all the things that they can do and whatever. But it just seems like it would be easier to upgrade these days than when you had these antiquated ballparks and you were like, well, we could, you know, sure. We could update it. But yeah. Like, yeah. Like those stadiums, the three rivers, riverfront stadium, the vet, those are all the same circular. Yeah. There's there's no character, but all these other stadiums now have character. Yeah. You would hope these stadiums are lasting 40, 50 years. You'd think so. You'd hope they last, you know, indefinitely in some places. Yeah. Well, give us a ring. 310-359-8365. That is the hotline, and those are the calls for today. Uh, I got some koozies to send out, but... If you want to leave and if you want some koozies, I should say, drop an iTunes review and leave a social media handle or email me at andyruther45 gmail.com. Uh, at Joe Prano on all social media, specifically Instagram. If you want me to come to your town, that's what you do. If you're listening to this and you go, I always want to see Joe Prano do stand-up comedy, just go follow me on Instagram at Joe Prano and everything else except for Twitter at Fix Your Life. Being, I will be in San Diego on Wednesday night at Candy's Boom Boom Room, Candy's Comedy Show on Pacific Beach. Uh, our Sounds good like a friend. strip club. What's that? It does sound yeah. like a strip club, but Candy's Boom Boom Room. Candy's Boom Boom Room. I'm going to be delivering the boom boom in forms of setups and punchlines. Our boy, Josh Nelson, who's been on our show, uh, hosts, going to go to uh, Padres Mets the next day. Um, so come down and see me in San Diego Wednesday. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, Dirt Balls. Hopefully you enjoy your holiday, which is almost over. Have a great start to your week, and we will be back in a couple of days in June. It's already June.
back so shortly. All right, guys, have a great start to your week. And as always, stay dirty.